That is like one of those dreaded passages when you get put on Bible reading, you know. Okay, sure, yeah, we can go do some Psalms. That is the name. But important um, and worth reading, worth thinking about. It, it has some great truths, great wisdom in there. As we start, uh, I'd like to pray and that we, sometimes we say we're going to put the Word of God or the Bible under the microscope and look at it, but um, really that's what it does to us, and we should pray that we will listen and reflect on what God has to say to us. So let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you so much that we have your Word, and I thank you that your Word is meaningful, it's powerful. And as we look tonight at this part of Nehemiah, please speak to us, challenge our hearts so that we can see that you are truly great um, and there is great joy in worshipping you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I don't want to take away from personal achievement. That's a great thing. But I do think that some of the best moments in life are when you can achieve something with other people, when you work together. Those moments when you can sort of step back at the end and say, wow, look, look, what, we, look what we did. Those moments where you feel like you're part of something bigger, something meaningful. And not just when you're a part of those things, but when they don't disappoint. Those are really special moments. I used to work as a year three teacher, and um, one year, so that's with kids about nine years old, and one year, it was term four, it was the end of the year, so everyone's getting tired, everyone's ready for a holiday, and so, you know, you're like everyone's getting ratty. Around this time after school, I was driving through North Parramatta and I saw a secondhand shop, Vinnie's. I went in and I found something that I thought could help. So this is what I found. Um, a puzzle ball. Okay, so this is a 3D puzzle of the globe. And here's how, here's how we used it in our class. Whenever someone finished early or, and they'd done a good job of their work, this is the end of term, they could be part of the great 3J project of building the globe. And the amazing thing was that the, the, the kids really liked this. So as we're doing our work, you would hear kids say things like, well, where's Japan? Or I found the United Kingdom. Or they'd be like, oh, I didn't know Madagascar was next to Africa. So they, they got behind this because they were united by an idea. The idea that our class had to build the world before the end of the year. Now tonight we're talking about a different building project, one um, that the nation of Israel got behind. They wanted to build a wall, the wall of their national and spiritual capital, Jerusalem. And the man in charge was Nehemiah. So tonight we're going to look at this story and think about, and I, th I think you'll see that it has one clear idea. And the clear idea is this. The clear idea is that people who belong to God work together for their good and his glory. Okay, so what we'll need to do to begin is recap the story so far. Uh, this is building on Ian's work last year. So the story so far, Jerusalem is in ruins. At this point in history, God's chosen people are, are, are the Jews, the Israelites, but either the God they worship is, is very small and weak, or they're actually not so special. They're not his special people. They're a disgrace. Now, 
We know that neither of those things are true. In fact, the Israelites had rejected God, and this was the aftermath of God being fair. Enter Nehemiah. Now, he's a Jew, an Israelite who lives in Susa, which is the capital of that current empire, and he works directly with the king, the king Artaxerxes. Next, so to slide. Now, through God, Nehemiah gets miraculous help. He gets the approval to leave and build the Jerusalem wall. Not just approval, but the blessing from the ruler of the entire empire. Now, this is, this is, this is different from today where um, you might work in a corporate place and you have accrued leave or you have sick leave or you have leave for family, paid leave. No, no. Nehemiah doesn't get sick days. If you think your boss is scary, Artaxerxes, in his name, he's the king of kings. That's his title. He's the big boss. If he didn't like you, he, can, he, he has any number of ways to put you in your place or, or, or your family to remove you. He's, he's, he's considered a god among men. And yet, the god of gods uses him to bring the Jews to bring the Jews hope and to address their disgrace. So the first point of what we're looking at tonight is grieving disgrace. Because building a city isn't an easy thing. It's not something that you can do by yourself. You need to work with others. So what was Nehemiah going to say to the local people, to his fellow Israelites, to get them on board with this project? Well, let's look at chapter 2, starting at verse 11. We're going to read to 16. This is Nehemiah speaking. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well, and the Dungate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. See, Nehemiah goes and inspects the damage in secret. He's going there, and and imagine what this would be like. He's going and looking at the ruins of where kings would have bathed. He's going to places where it would have been a market, Places once filled with laughter, people haggling, selling, but now, silence. Gates built for safety, but now burned down by fire. It's all been destroyed. Now, as was mentioned before, Jeremy prayed about it. Last week, um, we all got a warning that it was catastrophic bushfire conditions. And many in Sydney were safe. Uh, the damage was Minimal, but I know throughout a lot of New South Wales and Queensland, that wasn't the case. It was a bit scary. 
Uh, I saw Tom and Jane Smith during the week. They came to church um, because they were told that they needed to get out in case fire got to their property because if the fire hit, no escape. They're safe, but let's imagine what that would be like to be in a place destroyed by fire or by some catastrophic, some serious event. Imagine walking through a ruined house that it's, it's not a home anymore, but it, it's a graveyard of memories. It's scary because a place where families, people would have belonged is now smashed and destroyed. So how would Nehemiah have felt walking to the home of his ancestors and seeing broken down gates, rubble? So look at what he, sa- he starts saying in verse 17. The first six words, he says, you see the trouble we're in. He's saying that to his fellow people. You see the trouble we're in. It's big trouble. Nehemiah is a devout believer in God, and he cares that his spiritual home is a ghost town. And it's not a quick fix. This is not something that he can do over a weekend. It's not a 3M Bunnings removable hook quick job. No, it's a big task, but Nehemiah doesn't let that take him to despair. He uses that to lead him and God's people to action. So this is point two, our strength. Destruction's easy. Building something from the, from the ground, building something through ruins is hard. So imagine what Nehemiah could say to convince others. What would be their confidence? What would be their strength? Well, as we're going to see, it's, he's not going to go through a, a resume of his own special attributes. It's not going to talk about him as a warrior. No, he's going to point to something else. So let's look at verse 18. Nehemiah says, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Now, I want us to stop here because this is a really different motivator from what people in Nehemiah's day would be used to and also what we expect. See, Nehemiah didn't say, the king of kings, King Artaxerxes, he has given us his blessing. He didn't say, I've got the DA approved, let's go build the wall. He didn't use fear as a way to motivate them. He doesn't say, guys, we're in danger. Any moment, the Amorites are going to come, they're going to attack us, we need to build this wall for our safety. He doesn't go there. But he doesn't also play into their pride. He doesn't say, Guys, trust in your inner strength. If you put your mind to it, we can build this wall. No, Nehemiah is sad about his state, about the state of his his spiritual home. But he looks to God. His big selling point to his brothers and sisters is to say that God has been gracious to him. And that all these other actions, all the other things, they're put in place. But first, God was gracious to him and will be gracious to them. See, it's because God is their God. They are God's chosen people that they can expect God's continued grace. And we see this again in the way that Nehemiah responds to these three men, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Who are these guys? 
Well, we know that they're not interested in seeing the Israelites do well, in, in prospering. They seem to be leaders or officials that have some stake in the local area. They would have had a lot of power and influence in the region, in Jerusalem. But the text describes them as enemies of God. See, in verse 19, they, they ridicule and mock the Israelites. They say, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? It's a pretty outrageous claim. We know it's a lie. We know that Nehemiah has letters from the king. He's, he's got their approval, but they don't care. So how does Nehemiah speak back to them? What does he say? He says in verse 20, The God of heaven will give us success. Where is servants? We will start building, rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Strong words. But what is he saying? He's saying that no one, no one can frustrate God's plans. If, he's saying that if God has good intentions, if God is our strength, then this task, it will happen. And our next point is that they, they work together. And it's, it's really amazing. This is chapter 3. This is, <laughs> thanks Mal, this is what Mal was fighting through. It tells us how the Israelites united to build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to read out all the names, uh, but I do want to point out how incredible this is. All kinds of people working together. See, you have, you have a man and his daughters building some parts of the wall. You have rulers, the ruling class, the rich, working with priests. You have goldsmiths working with people that their job wasn't important enough to write. It doesn't matter where they came from. It's that they shared a sense of belonging in God's holy city. They united to remove their shame and to glorify their God. It's, it's a beautiful picture. It's beautiful because um, it's so unnatural, but natural at the same time. See, we know how difficult it is to share life with other people. It's hard to share life with people that maybe spend money differently to you or who laugh about things differently, who, who talk different. But here, they're united. And, and it's true that not everyone can handle it. You can see that there's parts where some nobles, the Tekkenite nobles, refuse, refuse to help. That's a sad reality. But for those who did, what an amazing thing to be a part of. But it wasn't easy. Think about, think about how much work this would have been. It would have cost them a lot. It would have cost them time. See, they don't, they don't get approved leave either. Um, think about how much energy it would have taken to cut stones, to hurl rubble away. Who's going to cook? Who's going to pay for the food? Did they just leave their existing jobs? It's, it's not likely that they were just sitting around and then Nehemiah says, hey, let's do something together. And they're like, okay, all right, let's, let's go. That sounds good. No, they were taking a risk. And they were taking a risk with their safety as well because by spending your time moving to build this city that doesn't have walls yet, well, especially when you know that there's 
enemies around like Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, enemies that don't like what you're doing, you're taking a risk because you believe in the good work. And God is glorified in that good work, in their unity. Okay, so we've looked at this story. We've looked at how the nation of Israel was, was God's people expressed in Nehemiah's day. That's two and a half thousand years ago, around about. We can see how the walls of Jerusalem were important to them. But things are different now. See, today, God's kingdom is expressed by those who believe in Jesus, those who believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. We, often we call that the church. Other ways to put it, John was sort of saying this this morning, people who have their faith in Jesus to forgive their sins, people who put their hope in God, not just to forgive them, but that life will be okay because they know God. And that after this life, good or bad, they put their hope that God will have something else for them that's truly wonderful. People that, because of God's great love, love other people. That's that's what church is supposed to be. So when we think about what this passage has to do with us, and it has a lot to do with us, I think it starts with first caring about what God cares about. So we need to ask, do we grieve? Do we get sad about the things that God gets sad about? Do we get sad when the church gets it wrong? Now, I'm not just talking about the things that are are on the news. I'm thinking about things when, um, when people in churches just make God look bad. I was with a friend recently, and from his experiences of church, uh, he's been to church a few times, these are his conclusions. He's got three things that he thinks about church. He thinks churches aren't safe for kids. He thinks that churches are filled with, with snobby people, with people that are stuck up and prideful. And he thinks that churches are corrupt. Now, I'm not, I'm not pointing um, the finger. That could, that could be a lot of churches. In fact, that's, in some extent, that's, that's all gatherings. Um, but as I told you that, how does that make you feel? Because those words, we know that there are truth in those words. Do we feel sad about it? Or, or in a smaller picture, do we feel sad when our brothers and sisters, when they lose hope? when day-to-day life just gets too much for them, either too busy, too stressful, and then they, they struggle to see that God is good. Do we, know, do we notice that? Um, how do we respond? I, I had another friend tell me that his wife found church really hard because she doesn't have friends that she feels comfortable, she just doesn't feel comfortable with them. She can't do life with them. Um, She finds it a pretty superficial place, and so she's quite lonely. She felt that she didn't belong in church. Um, That was uncomfortable to hear. That was another church. Um, So before we look further, I just want to reread verse 17. You see the trouble we're in. Nehemiah saying this. Our church is in trouble. Our global church. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. 
Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18 tells us of God's gracious hand. I don't want this to be a discouraging message. I don't, I don't think it is. I think this passage in Nehemiah is actually wonderful. Because God's grace is our strength. When the world seems upside down and church is a mess, God is gracious and God is in control. And knowing that, how do we build? Now, there's a couple of things. And first, I just wanted to, to remind us something that I think we know, that we don't do things in church. We don't build God's kingdom to earn anything, to, to get points with God. No, no, we do that because it's, it's because he's been gracious to us and because we care about the things God cares about. So as we look at this passage, as, as we're looking at chapter 3, with all those names, we can see people work as they were able. See, in verse 28, priests make repairs outside the, just outside the house. There's a guy in verse 15, Shalon, who makes repairs to the fountain gate. He puts on the doors. He, um, he repairs part of the wall. Or Some of the rulers do a lot of work we see in chapter 3. So it's not about doing the same amount. It doesn't mean that, that, people, that you guys over here will have to somehow do the same amount of God work as the people over here. No, we, we serve as we're able. It's, it's, it's true that some of us have a lot of energy and time, whereas others, well, we don't. But what does it mean for you to be, to serve, to to work for God in that sense as you are able. For some, it might mean being a friend to others in church when you feel lonely. It might be staying back to have a good conversation with someone. It, it might be being loving. Um, it might mean changing churches, Eastwood but it might mean staying and intentionally serving. But for all of us, it means investing in holiness, intentionally slowing down to personally listen to God, to train your mind to see the world as God sees it, and to act in a way that God would act if he was wearing your shoes. And that's tough. See, how do you train your mind? How do you, how do you listen to God? Well, you spend time listening to his word. Spend time reading his word. And it's an ongoing struggle. I don't know about you, but for me, it seems easier to look at four or five videos on YouTube than it is to sit and read half a page, half a page of the Bible. It just seems harder. I don't know why. Or, just in, or instead of spending 30 seconds in honest prayer, um, it's easier to check what's happening on the news. See, it's, it's tricky because the wall that we're building isn't really something you can see. It's not a physical wall. Um, it's not something that you can say, we're going to build it 15 metres tall. No, to build in God's kingdom is to use what you have that's visible to use your hands, to use, to use your mouth, your words, but to invest in the invisible. It's hard work. But God is good. 
I um, I'm constantly encouraged. There's there's many encouragements being more behind the scenes at church. Um, recently, think of some plus five six. I've been so encouraged by I can mention names, which is not here. Wendy faithfully and joyfully cooks, um, welcomes the kids, opens her home to them. What a wonderful thing! Or I'm so encouraged by working with with the youth and the youth leaders. Um, there are many times when perhaps I haven't been the most organized, but seeing them graciously love the kids, give up a Friday, share their lives with them, it's, it's encouraging. It's, it's joyful work because it's investing in the things we can't see. Uh, we won't see where those kids will be in 20 years, uh, in 10 years, 30 years, but we invest because it's God's kingdom. Because God loves us, and we share that love with Him, with 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 them. Because it's not it's not my church, it's not Pastor John's church, it's God's chosen people. And so, I just want to finish with this question: that if we are people who belong to God, will we work together for God's glory and for our good? I'm I'm going to just say that again because it's it's a bit of a mouthful. If we're people who belong to God, will we work together for God's glory and for our good? Let's pray. Dear God, you were faithful to Nehemiah. You worked amazingly that they might not be a disgrace for your glory. You have been faithful through all ages and ultimately you are faithful through Jesus. I pray that we would have wisdom and your spirit to respond to that, to build your your kingdom, to share your great news, to encourage one another for your glory and our good. We pray this in your name. Amen.